Welcome to the May 8th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-12, through 12, and the sermon is entitled, Faith in the End Times, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're moving through First and 2 Thessalonians, uh, and today's message is quite interesting in that it falls on Mother's Day. Uh, but here we are, and I'm going to preach it, and I want you to hear it. Uh, as we think about this little church in the church in the city of Thessalonica, uh, and the, the title of the sermon is Faith in the End Times. And friends, I believe we're there, that we are indeed in the end times, the end days. I, I'm not trying to make a prediction of when that is, but I believe we're in that time frame in God's timing. So as we begin this sermon today, I want to say, Pastor Clyde uh, mentioned to me on the, the, the uh, talking about the 40th anniversary and the, uh, that day that is coming. He said, 40 years, man, you're old. I said, it's a good thing I started when I was 12. It still makes me old, I guess, but at any rate, I'm so thankful for the years that God has allowed me to serve, and, and I'm not done yet. You know, I'm not going to waste any time in a rocking chair in days ahead, but I'm so thankful we are together in God's house this morning. If you're online today, God bless you, welcome you wherever you are uh, in our community, in the state of Virginia, in the United States, around the world. Welcome. We are so thankful, grateful you gather with us this morning, and you are part of the family of the Lord Jesus Christ, Clifford Baptist Church today. We're going to move a step ahead in our study through 2 Thessalonians now. This little duo of books are short, but they pack this huge punch of truth as we study them. Today we're going to tackle, believe it or not, we're going to tackle all the end times of God in 12 verses. And believe me, that is quite a statement. God grant me the grace to make this crystal clear to you as we see what is going to happen to us and to this earth in the days that are yet to come. This is a prophecy that we see that indeed is in God's timeline, and this is not a story. This is an account. This is what is going to happen. As we get started, let me bring you back to these little letters to First and Second Thessalonians uh, to this church in the city of Thessalonica in Europe. As we get there, we need to know that the missionary Paul is writing to a very strong, yet very small, very young church in the city of Thessalonica. And he is going to build them up because they are in a very hostile, hateful environment in that city. The city does not want the church there. The city did not want the mission team there consisting of Paul and Silas and uh, Tim, 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 uh, Timothy and others. They ran them out of town. But this little church is still in the city of Thessalonica and they're under the heat of persecution. And these young believers are asking, when is Jesus going to give us rest from the persecution that we're facing right now day by day as a church. These Christians were literally facing death every single day in their city of ministry. It was a hard moment for them. And Paul's constant word to them is, Hold on, church. Jesus is going to come back, and He is going to reward you, and He is going to repay evil. That is absolutely going to happen. God is going to even the score when the time is right. Yes, the church is going through persecution, and yes, the days are hard, but God is in control, and God is going to take care of it all. Now today... We are going to study the ultimate passage of how God is going to end the history of this world. 
on Mother's Day, really. But I want you to know that as I draw the bow on this sermon, I think you're going to see that it fits the day. Because family is crucial to what we're going to study here. And we need to hear it in terms of Christian families and the stand that we take in our world that is getting harder and harder by the day. So let me begin by telling you once again that we do not know when Jesus is going to return for his church. It is not for us to know the timeline of God. But one thing is 100% certain, assured in God's word, Jesus is coming back to get his church. That is his promise, and we know it is true. We simply don't know when the promise is going to be carried out. But church, here's what we do know. God is going to be with us, and God is going to strengthen us for the day in which we live. And though we might run across our own segments of persecution in this world, He's going to give us the strength that we need to see through the day and to know that He's going to use us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is a powerhouse of end-time theology. And I don't think you'll get sleepy in this sermon. So I want us to begin, we're going to look at 12 verses. Let's look at the first seven verses for the day. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse 1. Here's Paul teaching a church struggling in the city of Thessalonica. He writes to them, Now we beseech you, brethren, which by the way means brothers and sisters, so he claims kinship with them because the Holy Spirit of God lives in their hearts together. We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know that withholdeth, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Great end-time theology here. As we get into these verses, I want you to remember that the Bible is 100% consistent in its truth. There is no opposing word in the Bible. The Bible holds hand with itself all through the word as God gives it to us. So there are other notable passages about the end times of God. We find those passages in the Old Testament prophecy of Daniel, in the New Testament Matthew chapters 24 and 25. Certainly we see end time prophecy in the book of Revelation. But here is the general picture of the ending days of the world. At any moment, at any moment, it could be in the next five seconds, Jesus Christ is going to break through the clouds and he's going to pull his bride, the church, off of the earth. The souls of Christians who have died before us, who have gone on to heaven, 
those souls are going to be with Jesus when he comes through the clouds to draw his church back unto himself. The souls of those will be with him, but their physical remains will be lifted out of caskets, out of cremation containers, out of the ocean, wherever they were buried. And those departed souls will receive their resurrection bodies of eternity in this meeting in the air. But not only that, the Christians who are still alive on earth will also be drawn up to Jesus in this meeting in the air. And in a twinkling of the eye, the Christians who are still alive on earth will receive their resurrection, eternal, permanent bodies on their way to meet Jesus in this tremendous, huge family reunion in the air. We're going to see this, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a fairy tale. This is coming for us. We're either going to be coming down with him or up to him, one or the other. You're going to be there if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the word of God. All the saved of the ages will have this meeting in the air. Notice this. At the rapture of the church, Jesus' feet never touched the ground of the earth. This is a meeting in the air. And the moment the church leaves the earth, the son of perdition, also called the Antichrist, will be revealed. Satan's representative on earth. Hang with me now because we're going through these end times. I'm going to make it brief, but I want to make it as clear as I possibly can. For seven years, after the church is gone now, after the church has been lifted out and we're gone off the face of the earth, we're with the Lord, the earth is going to go through seven years of wickedness and great tribulation like never before. And God is going to pour out His punishment and His judgment on this earth for those seven years. And all of the systems of the earth are going to be in chaos from nature to the financial system of the earth to the governments of the earth. Everything is going to be in chaos. Everything will be in tribulation. Now, all of these events, the rapture of the church, the, re the revealing of the Antichrist, and the great tribulation here, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, it's called the Day of Christ. If you have your Bible open in 2 Thess, uh, chapter 2, underline verse 2, the Day of Christ. This is the end-time theology of Paul. Now listen, friends, this is amazing truth, and I don't want you to miss it today. Whether you have come to Christ and you're a believer and His Holy Spirit lives in you, or whether you have never come to Jesus and you have not accepted Him as your Savior, this truth is for you, and you absolutely need to hear it today. Whether you're here in person or online with me, you need to hear this truth of God. This is important because this day is on the way for sure. And it could commence before this worship service is over. We're not to know that. But the love of Christ and the chaos of Satan is all addressed in this end-time theology. First and second, John, the old apostle John, calls the final satanic leader on earth the Antichrist, the man opposed to Jesus Christ. Paul calls him the son of perdition. Now, according to Revelation 13, before Jesus comes to rapture his church, before the great tribulation begins, the son of perdition will already be at work in the world. He will be a very popular man, and he will be a very popular politician who publishes peace to the world. He will be loved. He will be followed by the masses. He will unite ten European countries into this block of power. 
He's even going to call for peace in Middle East and form a covenant with Israel, according to Daniel. But as Jesus returns, and as the church leaves the earth, this man is going to take an evil, calculated term, and he is going to break that covenant of peace in the Middle East with Israel. And he's going to proclaim himself to be God. Look with me again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Speaking about the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this Antichrist, son of perdition, takes over Israel's temple and sits on the throne and proclaims himself to be God. And he basically says, I want the world to worship me as the Antichrist, the representative of Satan. From the Garden of Eden forward, this is what Satan has wanted all along. Satan has wanted to take God's place. Satan himself has wanted to be worshipped. If you worship the representative, you're worshiping Satan. That's what he wants. That's what he's desired. That's why he was kicked out of heaven. He wanted to take God's place. But this Antichrist will work to control the world. He will bring chaos to the world. He will proclaim himself to be God. This announcement of the Antichrist is made about halfway through the Great Tribulation, three and a half years in. And at this halfway point, this Antichrist, driven by Satan himself, will, cont- will control the entire economic system of the world. And if you want to buy or sell, even in the grocery store, you will need to bear his mark on your body or you'll be denied buying your own groceries. That's how bad it's going to be one of these days on this earth. He will simply kill those who will not follow him. And yet I remind you, in this horrible time, and the church is gone, yet people are going to be saved by the multitude because there will be 144,000 evangelists spreading the world preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. They're converted Jews who have come to Jesus as Lord and Satan, and God is going to take, God, God is going to take that, that huge group of saved, converted Jews, spread them around the world, and preach the gospel of the living Lord. And the Bible teaches us in Revelation chapter 7 that so many are going to come to Jesus that the number will not be able to be counted. It's amazing. Read Revelation 7, 9. The multitudes will be coming to Christ. But here we are at the height of the Antichrist's power on earth. Satan's hatred played out. But I want you to look at two key words. Look at verse 8. 2 Thessalonians 2, look at verse 8. If you want to underline a key statement, you underline the first two words, and then. And then. Here's a turning point. What we see here is that God is going to take control. Look at verse 8. And then shall that wicked... You notice that's capitalized, which means it's referring to the person. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So as we see that, we know that the Lord is going to take care of all things. At this point, 
And we can see it also laid out even more specifically in the book of Revelation chapter 19. At this point, the great battle of Armageddon takes place. The Lord Jesus Christ is utterly victorious. The Antichrist is cast into the lake of fire. He will burn there for all eternity. Satan is bound and restricted for 1,000 years, and Jesus will literally come, and this is where he places his feet on the earth, and he will literally reign here for 1,000 years. Satan is bound, and Jesus is reigning on the earth for 1,000 years. Well, let me ask you this, believer. Where will you and I be when that happens? If you want to flip with me, you can, but just listen. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6 says this. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a 1,000 years. I'm telling you where you'll be one day. You're going to be back here reigning with Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches us, amazing truth. We will be, be by Jesus' side right here on earth. Now, after that, after the thousand years is over, Satan is released. There's one final skirmish that takes place here on earth, and Satan himself will be cast into the deepest part of hell's lake of fire. The battle is over. Sin is resolved, and God's peace takes control. End times. There it is in a nutshell. There's what's going to happen. Sin is conquered, gone, buried forever. God's people will be with God forever. Sadly, those who have rejected Jesus will be with Satan forever. We stand on the fault line of heaven and hell, ladies and gentlemen. And this is God's truth, and this is what He's teaching us, even on Mother's Day, this is what He's teaching us. That we need to come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. We need to know Him as our Lord. Okay, look up here now. Take a breath. Take a breather. I, I know I've unloaded a lot of information on you about the end times in a very few minutes. Probably you're a little bit overwhelmed hearing all of what is going to happen in our future, but as this sermon is replayed down the road on radio or wherever it might go, it should be noted that it was preached on Mother's Day. There's a reason this sermon is preached on Mother's Day. Here we are on the day of love, the day of blessing on families. The day that we thank God for family, the, the day we thank God for children, the day we thank God for His blessing on us as we follow Him step by step. Mother's Day, what a wonderful day. You might go home and say, you know, Pastor Mike today, we, on Mother's Day, preached on the end times and hell and judgment and the lake of fire. Now, I have to admit to you, when I, when I looked at this sermon and realized this is the day it was going to fall, I, I felt a little awkward myself. But it's so appropriate. I actually approached the Lord and said, Lord, do I change gear here? Do I preach this sermon on Mother's Day? The day of love, and I'm going to talk about hell and judgment? Is this the day that this sermon should go out? Should I go some other direction? And I fully believe that God gave me the answer. He said, no, I want you to preach it. Because it's really all about family. It's all about people coming to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Genesis chapter 9. God told Noah to build an ark because a flood of judgment was coming. Build an ark because the earth is going to be judged with water. 
Took about 75, 80 years for Noah to build that ark. But also it tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And I believe during those decades of building the ark, Noah preached that the Lord God was bringing judgment against the world in a flood of water, and this ark was to ride out the flood. And anyone who wanted to come and join his righteous family on that ark and ride out the flood of judgment, the ark will be open for you to come, and you can join us, and you can ride out the judgment, and you can live, you can have life if you get in this ark with us, because this is the ark that God created to ride out judgment. How many came to get on the ark? Not one. Only one righteous family, Noah, his wife, three sons, and their wives. Only eight people on earth believed that God was going to bring judgment. And they perished. They perished in the flood because they would not believe. Acts chapter 16, a sinful lost jailer is so moved by the faith and the trust and the belief of Paul and Silas that he falls before them and he asks, what must I do to be saved? And of course their reply was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. In other words, Mr. Jailer, you're going to take the good news to your family. They weren't saved because they're husband and dad was saved they didn't fall in just because they were holding to his coattails they came because he witnessed to them and brought his family to Jesus and it says they were baptized that very night as a family of believers come to the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you will sidestep sin and death and hell and judgment and that night they came so I preach this sermon of end times today because here's what I believe with all my heart. We looked at the end times as being a very, very chaotic, difficult, hard time on earth. But I want to say to you that we have hard times on earth right now. And do you know through the prophecies of the Bible, here's what the Bible teaches us about where we are in the end times. It's only going to get worse. There's not a word in the Bible that things are going to get better. The word of the Bible is as time goes on, until Jesus comes for his church, it's going to get worse. And we need to know that. We need to prepare for that. That's why we need to provide that foundation for our children, because it's going to get worse. We see it happening. The world is a hard place right now. A funeral director up close to Washington, D.C. told me recently that almost one half of the funerals that he conducts these days are people who are under 30 years old dying of drug overdose. Half of his funerals. Young people sucked in by the ways of the world and they lose their lives. Our culture is leading our young people to question and even attempt to change their own God-given gender. As I see it, God assigns whether you and I are male or female at birth, and we're to live that out for the entirety of our life. Our culture is saying, you can question your gender and change it if you'd like. It amazes me. Where is this world headed? It's getting worse. 
Our world is going through increasing unrest and political showdowns and killing and war, and it's happening right on Mother's Day. So we need to address it. And here's the true message of the Bible. The world's getting worse. Church, the world's getting worse. What are you going to do, church? Because the world is getting worse. One of the most broken relationships in our country is the family. I remember many years ago when my daughter was going into either kindergarten or first grade, her teacher said, half of the children in our class don't have a daddy. That was almost 30 years ago. I can't believe that, and yet it's getting worse. Families, what we see in the Bible is families need to be in Jesus Christ. We see that in the, the, the account of the ark. We see that with the jailer, and we know it's true. Families need to be in Jesus Christ. A mom and a dad cannot be saved and believe they can ignore their children and their grandchildren. Families need Jesus. That's why this message is so very appropriate on Mother's Day, because we need to hear these words of direction from God. I preach on a world in struggle, and the world needs witnesses and representatives of Jesus Christ. And your family, my family, is in the middle of this struggling culture. In fact, I will have to say, my boys are here today, I literally worry about what my two grandsons are going to face one day. I worry. And if there's anything I want to do as a grandfather, it's to put the foundation of Jesus Christ under these two boys. Praise God for a Christian mom and dad that I know are doing that, and I want to stand alongside of them, and I want to bring those boys to Jesus Christ as their Savior because they need Him now, and they will need Him in the future. That's true for your children and your families. We need Jesus, and we need His strength to lead us through. But here's the truth. Here's the island of hope in this sea of struggle that we see in our country and in our world. God Almighty longs for the family to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. God longs to wrap His arms of protection and His love around you. He wants to bring you into the ark of His grace. He wants to bring you into the ark of His protection. He wants you to bring you into the ark that you will ride through this old world of judgment, that we will witness for Him and Him alone, and that we'll live for Him. Moms and dads, He wants your main job above education, above housing, above clothing, even above their food. God wants your main job to be give your child Jesus. They need Him. Grandparents, your grandchildren need Him. What a great day to preach the message. That our families need Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I'm going to wind this down to a close. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you. I'm, this, this altar is open and free. If moms and dads, grandparents, family members want to come and simply take a moment and, and kneel or pray and just say, Lord, bless my family. Bless my ministry and my witness to my family. You come. But maybe on a level that only God can see. I pray that God will see heaven's altar open 
and heaven's altar filled with you, making a dedication to your families right here in this place where you are, that as we bow our heads, you're saying, Lord Jesus, I want my family to know you. And in this hard, struggling, cruel old world, I want my family to walk in Jesus and for Jesus. Will you dedicate your family to that? It is our hope. It is the direction of God, and it's what he's calling us to do. So we're going to pray together, and we're going to sing a closing hymn. If you want to make a, a, a physical move to come, you come. But let's close this moment with prayer, and then we're going to ask for those decisions to be made. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moments. Lord, I thank you for all the families represented here. What a sweet, awesome view to see all of these families dedicating their children to the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, Father, I pray that we will make a commitment either here physically at the altar or at the altar of our heart that only you can see that we're asking you to bless and keep and shelter and preserve and use our families, Lord. But also, Lord, in this prayer, I pray for that one who has never come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray that he or she will know that we're living in a cruel old world and there's only one way to life, one way to blessing and hope, and that is through Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. And so I pray that that one who needs you today will say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. The Bible says all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. I have a broken relationship with you, Lord. But I thank you that Jesus came, took on flesh, and as the perfect Lamb of God, He went to the cross and died in my place to take away my sin. Not only that, Lord, but I truly believe that You rose from the grave on the third day to promise me not only forgiveness of sin, but an eternal home in heaven with You. That's what the Bible teaches me. So today, Lord, I put my life in your hands and ask Jesus to be my Savior. If that person is online today, somewhere in the United States or even in another country, Lord, you will know that decision and you will honor it for all eternity. Maybe there's someone in this very sanctuary who's made that decision. I pray that they will make it public and come and proclaim that Jesus is now their Savior as they have invited you into their heart. Whatever our need, Father, thank you that you meet it now. Bless us in this very, very important moment of decision, I pray. And I pray that many families will be at your altar saying, lead us, Lord, to be the family that you want us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.